Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I want to read a scripture in 1 John that is so powerful. It's in 1 John 4.19. It's so powerful because it's so convicting and it's so convicting because it's so true and it's so true that we need to read and read and reread and and memorize it in the sense that we don't let this go in our hearts and lives because we want to know that we love God. We love because he first loved us, first of all. That's incredible to know that even the love that we have for God or for other people, any love we have, any love we have is because God first loved us. God first loved us. We can't even claim love like I'm a loving person. No, God first loved you. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a person who is compassionate towards people. No, first God was compassionate towards you. Well, I chose to be a Christian. No, first God chose you. You know, and, and God loved us. And then, then it goes on to say that if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. That's pretty strong. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should also love his brother. And your brother is not just your brother and your family. Of course, your brother is every single human on this earth. And so we are commanded to love one another. And we are told and actually warned that if we hate someone on this earth that we can see, then we don't love God who we cannot see. Now, here's a disclosure that that helps me a lot. It didn't say anything about like. Nothing. There are people on this earth that you may not like for very good reason. There are people on this earth that you may, by God's own design, need to avoid in order to love them. There are people on this earth that that have wronged people in such a horrible, horrible way that the only way we can love them is to know God's love towards us, his forgiveness towards us, and to forgive them by saying, I'm not doing this, and this is what I say. I'm not forgiving them for them. I'm forgiving them for him. I choose to forgive them for him. And then I just don't go over in my mind whatever they have done. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are people listening that have been sexually abused, that have had a child murdered, that have had horrendous situations in their life. I have had a horrendous situation in my life that crippled me for years. Um, But I was able to forgive those that... um, that and and love them and I do pray for them that were responsible for that situation. Um, God makes all things possible. 
So we can't sit back and say, you know, well, I'm just not a very forgiving person. No, you can forgive, and forgive means then I don't have to like them. I don't have to like them. But when they come up in my heart, what I do automatically is I bless them. Because God says to bless your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. All the way to church yesterday, I was blessing someone who has been persecuting me. And I knew I was going to see that person. And so I was blessing, 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 blessing. And then praying for, praying for, praying for. And you know what? It's hard to not have compassion towards someone you're praying for. I don't need to understand that person's situation, nor do I need to like what they've done. And, 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 and I want you all to hear this because we are told in the word without any wiggle room that we have to love one another no matter what. If we say we love God and we hate someone else, we're lying. Because then we haven't fully received God's love and forgiveness for ourselves. We have not fully understood it. If you fully understand how much you have been forgiven and that you are going to spend eternity with God because of Jesus' Christ's sacrifice and not because of the things that you've done right or the things that you've done wrong that you sure as heck don't want anybody to know about. If you truly get that, then you're able to say, I can love others. I may not like them. God may have me not be around them. But I don't need to curse them. In other words, if I'm with someone, I don't need to tell someone else, I don't really like that person. That person gets on my nerves, da-da-da-da-da. I don't need to do that. That's unloving. I don't need to love them. But, you know, it's that old saying, really old saying, that our mothers and grandmothers said to us, many of us, if you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. And then go beyond that, yet God says, by blessing them. It doesn't mean that you get in a group of people and bless and, and uh, th- these people. Um, it means you and God, between you and God, bless them. Bless them. Bless them in your car. Bless them when you're just thinking about them. If, they, if something comes up and, and, and even dislike or hate, or anger, or bitterness comes up in your heart, out loud, bless them. You'll be so surprised what God does in your heart because he actually says that we're commanded to do this, to bless those that curse us, to love those who persecute us. There's a reason because when we do that, it changes our heart. So often we try to change our heart our way. Okay, God, I'm going to forgive. Please help me forgive. Please help me forgive. Well, it doesn't say in the Bible, pray, 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 pray that God will change your heart, help you forgive. It says that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
through the word of God and doing what he says. We're not transformed by what we know and we're not transformed by what we pray. We're transformed by doing what he says. And he says to bless those who persecute us, pray for those who curse us. And that means something that might have happened to one of your children. I was talking to someone yesterday that um, a person had truly um, spoken many ugly things about her child. Well, that almost seems the most difficult to forgive. And she was so excited because through the process of just obeying the word, she had not only forgiven this person, but blessed this person. And then I I looked at her and I said, you know, isn't that exactly how God felt? I mean, someone had been basically cursing and saying ugly things about the not only her son but he as a person his personality him and and that's exactly what they did to to god's son and yet he forgave and we when we turn against jesus and have our own way that's just as good as spitting in jesus's face because we know better but god forgives us daily Minute by minute, (laughs) we have no high horse. We have no, once we get that, we can say, I can forgive. I forgive. I forgive them, not for them, but for him. And then know that in 1 John 4, 19, it doesn't say anything. And I'm going to say this again. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say it again. It doesn't say anything about like. Because we're not all going to agree and we're not all going to like one another. And there are people on this earth that aren't likable. That worship, the, that worship Satan. I've met them. <laughs> wish, wish I could say I hadn't, but I have. Literally. And God didn't tell me to like them or hang out with them. So here we go. That wasn't our message. (laughs) Take a sip of water. You know, um, you all know several weeks ago, the um, Mwangaza Children's Choir Concert children stayed at our home. And there were four little boys that stayed with us. And it was so precious. We had them for two nights and three days. And most of them are orphaned um, and they sing and dance to raise money for their school and their orphanage for the other children. And um, there's many groups throughout Uganda like this and and, in Africa and perhaps other countries. But these were four such precious little boys and I just wanted to just grab them all. I mean, I just thought... Wow, I just wanted to grab them all. And lately, you know, in this, sen- in this sense of grab them all, it's like I just want to adopt the whole world. I just want to help the whole world. I just want to do, I-, I-, I want to help the whole world. And I've even went on a walk yesterday, and this is so embarrassing to tell you this, but this is absolutely the truth. 
I was thinking about all the needs and all of the things that I could do and should do. And see, Satan comes with the word should. And God comes with that gentle and very specific and very directed knowledge in your gut of what you're supposed to do through him. And I hate to even use that word supposed to, but he leads us. Again, we, you remember we, we talked about how sheep are led, cattle are driven. And Satan, if he can't get you to go do bad things, can drive you to do eight million good things. So that you're distracted from the things that God wants to lead you to do. So I'm on this walk and I hear God say deep in my spirit, you are not Jesus. Okay, well that was convicting. Because I thought, I don't think I'm Jesus. I certainly don't think I'm a savior or the savior, but what he meant by that is only Jesus can help all of these people and fill all of these needs, and you have to trust him. But we have to also have that excitement and that desire to hear God for what does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? There was a precious, um, there are four little boys that came to stay with us, actually. And um, then there was a le- their leader who was also, had grown up as a young boy being in this group. And, and he was extraordinarily um, interesting young man. And I'd asked my dad to come, and um, since my dad was a rodeo cowboy and um, the collegiate world champ, and I don't always get the year wrong so I won't say it but um for bronc riding and I always say 1954 and then he corrects me what is it mom nine mom mom didn't know either (laughs) 1959 okay he was the world collegiate bronc champ in 1959 so he came and, and and they never even heard the word rodeo or heard the word cowboy and um, because they don't watch TV, you know, they are sheltered as I would have desired for our own children to be sheltered. They don't watch TV. They shelter them from the violence and the sexual content of television. And so they even told us as a, as a host home, do not watch TV, you know, do not serve these kinds of high sugary foods they're not used to it you know serve these healthy foods um i was so overwhelmed with things i was that were going on that chris had to go out and buy all the food for him and i fixed it and and it was great but it's just interesting how sometimes we're all called to do different things she and i happened to talk and and I happened to say, well, I took this on, and, and I didn't know it wasn't my responsibility to go buy them food. And God did. And he said, okay, and connected us that morning, and she, she said, what's going on? Or I don't even remember how it all came about. And I said, I'm overwhelmed. She said, what's going on? I said, I need to buy all this food for, you know, three days with um, 
my own family plus four little boys plus their their leader who's a man and I've got to ha- I have all these specifics and I'm I don't have time to do this today and she went and bottled food so I mean God is just don't think that when he tells you to take something on it's just going to be you just say yes and usually what he tells you to take on is more than you think you can take on but if you're led to do it do it because he'll provide every single time every single time if i take on stuff myself it's different doing things with grace meaning god's with you and doing it without is way different now he is so merciful that I will take on things myself and pray and cry out to him as one of my, one of his children. And you have done the same thing. And he'll help. And angels surround us and they minister to us. Like it says in the book of Hebrews, they minister to those that would inherit salvation. So don't think that he's not going to help you in other things. But I'm just saying, I want you to know that. That we're all together and helping people. And sometimes... There's so many needs that we either open our ears to all the needs and we're overwhelmed and we're trying to meet them all or we close our ears to the needs and kind of have that us four and no more mentality or us three and no more or us two and no more or me and no more. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to open our ears to him. So my dad taught him to to rope. That was hilarious. Um, they, they played basketball with, with my son, who's also 11 and all of them were 11 except for one. So it was precious to see, you know, five little boys on the basketball court. And, uh, most of them have played football, which of course is really soccer and not all of them had played basketball. And so it was really, really fun to watch that. And, um, just, I, I couldn't help kissing them all on the head. I couldn't help hugging them and hugging them. And um, I loved their, after dinner, they're looking me in the eye and, and saying thank you. And just their appreciation, their gratitude, their love. And um, the last night that, that, well, every night, every night they were there, there were two, there were two nights. But the, the second night, um, each night a different boy would, read from the Bible and then put the Bible down and they're teaching them to apply what they've read. And so then he would give a little sermon. So the last night that we were there, um, Storm and I were up in the loft and and the leader, the adult leader there was um, there. His name is Freedom. And, and there was four little boys there, the little Ugandan boys. And um, they are very solemn but they're very uh, solemn meaning not they're very happy little boys but when it comes to their little devotions they're very serious about it and so I, I I may not remember exactly how they talk I love the way they talk but I just remember this little boy that night and this is this is what he read First John four nineteen. Of course, English is their second language, and they speak it better than a lot of us. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is 
a liar, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother. And he put the Bible down and he said, if you say you love God and you are cruel to someone else, then you are a liar. If you say that you love God and you don't love someone in your family, then you don't love God. We need to all know that to love God means to love one another. And then we prayed. And I thought, wow. An 11-year-old. The word of God is so powerful. If you say you love God, but you are cruel to those around you, you are a liar. You know, what does it mean to be cruel? I mean, sometimes we don't realize that just, (laughs) even with our spouses, if you're married or what have you, sometimes we don't realize that just um, withholding our spirit, which means sometimes ignoring someone or means sometimes not giving them our full love or letting them know of our disapproval is cruel. Lacey and I hit a crossroads on a huge decision And I feel strongly one way, and he feels strongly another way. And I basically acquiesced to what he decided because it's biblical. And God led me in this comfort to say, just agree with him because God will make all things work for good to those that love God and are called according to his purposes. Romans 8, 28. And being in disagreement with him would be strife in our house. And the book of James says that strife lets in every evil thing. What is being cruel? Being cruel can sometimes just be snubbing someone. What is being cruel? Being cruel can be not taking the time honestly when you have it to go ahead and let that person who's retarded unload your groceries and talk to them and ask them how they're doing. You know, what is being cruel? Being cruel can be just talking behind someone's back. Just talking behind someone's back. You know what? Being cruel can be just judging Judging, criticizing. If we don't love those around us, we don't really love God. And you know what the reason is? It's because those are God's children. You know how you feel about your children. If someone was not loving towards one of your children, then they don't really love you. I'm sorry to say that, but if you don't really love my children, if you don't really love my children and you speak ugly against them or you just ignore them or you criticize them constantly or whatever, you don't really love me. And I'm not even God. He assured me of that yesterday. 
Not that I ever have thought that I was God, but I have all these things that I'd like to do. And God wants, again, to lead us and not have us be driven. All of God's children have a name, and he cares deeply for each one of them. Think about that. All of God's children have a name, and he cares deeply about each one of them. And he gets them. He even gets why they are. And we need to be able to say, there by the grace of God go I. We don't need to understand them to love them. Matter of fact, I've been released from understanding people for a really long time, and it is the most joyful, happy place. I'm telling you what, I don't even try to analyze why someone did something or didn't do something or what they were thinking. or I just get to say, I don't know. Because I'm just God's child. I'm just a little child. I don't know. You know, haven't you spent 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe even 20, 30, 40 years analyzing why someone did something and later find out that wasn't it at all. It was this. Oh, I was so wrong. Don't waste your time. So be released from understanding and just receive God's love for yourself and it will not be hard. To love other people once you get how much God has forgiven you. Once you know (laughs) without a doubt that he loves you with a love that is so incredible that he did give his son for us. We are honored and and I'm sharing this um, because I was led to do so. We're honored to sponsor a little girl monthly in the Dominican Republic and another little girl in the West Bank of Jerusalem, who's a a Muslim little girl, where there's 10 people that live in in one room, by the way. And I got a little letter from her, and um, I won't read the whole thing, but she said, um, I'll just kind of start in the middle. I am so happy that this is the first time that someone takes care of me. And she wrote her name, because you know what? Everyone has a name. She says, I am Palestinian, and I live in Rafa City in Gaza Strip. I speak Arabic language and a little English, and my favorite color is red, and I like playing with dolls. All God's children have a name. Um, my family went to see the Mwangaza um, children's choir again at at, at, um, our children's school just to see the little boys again you know just to be able to hug them and love on them and it was so great to see them again and 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 so wonderful and 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 this is what I want to encourage you in is is just something that God showed me that night Um, I was standing next to Lacey and of course Lacey says and that's my husband for people who have no idea who I'm talking about um, Kathleen, do not bring home any more people. We cannot adopt any more people. Do not bring home any more people from the street or any more homeless teenagers, which I've done. Do, you know, and ask me before we support someone else. And please don't give away our house. And every, you know, I mean, he's just, you know, and it's so good that he's grounded and he's like that because I am so 
like, let's sell everything and da-da-da-da-da and just live for the Lord. And that's not what God's called us to do. We are actually called to this area, to this neighborhood, to this place. And how do I know that? How do I know I'm called to this neighborhood in this place? Because we've tried to move so many times. And it never works, ever. So it must be that I am called to a certain people. And it must be that I am supposed to be doing what I'm doing. But it was so interesting because I want you to hear what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. As, as I was walking by the bulletin board, I, I just had this knowing in my heart that the Lord was saying, don't pass me by. So I started to walk past the bulletin board, and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I know I'm going to want another child to adopt. I know that's what's going to happen, and and I need to go back. So I went back to my husband, and I said, can we please uh, support a third child, please? And the support has gone up on each of the children, and so he was like uh, kind of calculating in his mind, and bless his heart, you know, he's wanting to do what I want to do and what God wants to do. And he's, he was silent for a while because that's typical. And um, I like to pretend like he's praying. I don't know. He may just be needing to think. And he may just need a breath to get away from all of me and my words and my desires. But he was silent for a while, and then he said, yes, we can. And so... I walked again towards this bulletin board where they had the pictures of all of these children. And I heard again in my spirit, don't pass me by. And I saw a picture of a 22-year-old male. And he looked so sad. And I knew it. I mean, that, that was who I was supposed to adopt. And... I thought, how many times has he been passed by? You know, there's a reason. It's it's a it's not that he doesn't work. He cleans out um, the compound in his area. He lives in Kampala, where there's extreme poverty, AIDS, poor sanitation, water conditions, high illiteracy rates, and um, it's also the area that has been used as a mass grave during um, Idi Amin's reign. And, and, and there's just mass graves that they're still finding. And in, in supporting him for such a comparatively small amount for most of us in America, it's like $40 um, a, a child, it, it, it not only helps him but his little village to have better sanitation and puts them on their feet. And it's a joy. It's a blessing. Now, can I do and can you do all of them? No. But do what God's asking you to do. And he may not be asking you to support a child, but do what God's asking you to do. Because if we all do, then the needs of the world through the hands of God who are his people will be so much more satisfied than they are today. There's so many needs and there's so many people that are closing their ears because there's too many needs and they don't know what to do. Just open your ears to God. 
something happened um, that I'm going to tell you about that is quite embarrassing. Um, I had this boy's picture next to my computer, and um, he does look very sad. Um, they're all very dark and ebony, and his eyes were somewhat red, and he didn't smile at all in this picture. And um, remember, our household is a revolving door. We have our children's friends. We have our children's friends' friends. We have neighbors. I have people looking for snacks in my refrigerator that I do not know. Okay? And so the next day, um, or no, actually several hours later, but it was the next day after we had a, 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 um, decided to sponsor him and started sponsoring him, um, his picture was missing from my computer, which is in the kitchen because my daughter's computer is broken and my husband's computer is broken. So I now have the communal com- computer, which is a whole nother story on sharing because my computer has every, everything I've ever written on it and it's intimate to me. And I think God's kind of laughing because I have to let everybody share it and the whole family now. And it's like, Oh, really? I didn't know I was selfish. I thought I was unselfish, you know, but I have my computer in my daughter's room at three in the morning and when she's doing her homework and um, I wake up at six and need it and can't find it and it's not charged. But anyway, next to my computer, which is the communal computer in the kitchen, his picture was missing. And I asked my husband, I said, did you move? And I asked, I said the little boy's name, see, because everybody has a name, did you move his picture? Do you have his picture? He said, no, it was right by your computer. And I asked someone, I asked my daughter, I asked my son. And then I asked someone else who was in that house and he said, yes. And I said, why? And he said, because we were laughing. We were making fun of him. I said, who's we? And he said, well, really pretty much me. And the anger that came up in my spirit, not out of hate, but out of love, a righteous anger that came out of my spirit felt so godly, and yet my words weren't angry towards him. I said, listen, let me tell you who this is. Let me tell you what's happened to him. Let me tell you that he probably doesn't have parents, and if he does, he has one. Or like our little Palestinian girl, he has eight brothers and sisters, and the parents can't support them all. Let me tell you that probably one of his parents statistically died of AIDS, and where he lives, on top of graves, and this young person hung this young person's head. I'm trying to not say gender. And was ashamed. See, so so often we just don't know. And we do things in ignorance. But the more that we know as Christians, the more we're going to be held accountable for. As a matter of fact, it says... Um, I don't know the exact wording, different translations to say different things, but it says basically be warned 
don't many of you desire to become teachers because you'll be held to a greater accountability? Great. That's all I need is to be held to a greater accountability. I don't want that. And I didn't set out to be a teacher of the word. I don't even think of myself as a teacher. I think of myself as a sharer. But you know what? Like I've said before, I'm on a short leash. People get away with things all the time without being convicted that I can't do. I said something to someone about a program at something that was so small and not at all detrimental towards a person, but just in desire of more Jesus in a certain program. And God led me to email them this morning and say, I want you to know that I meant that not in a detrimental way towards what is the effort that is being made. Because how many things do we just curse because we think it should be this way or that way or they should change it this way? And it's so much easier to be a part of the audience than it is to be in there in the trenches doing the job. Our ministry doesn't do everything right, but I pray, I pray that people don't curse us around the world because we didn't do this and didn't do that. I pray that they could send us suggestions, but that they would bless what we are doing. And then if things need to change, pray and see if they're supposed to be a part of the change. In this particular situation, I am part of the cha- I am part of, of, the, of the group. But the group is doing a great job. It's just my own personal opinion that something needs to be added. And I needed to make that clear to this individual. And I'm thinking, she already knows. And she wrote back, she goes, oh, I know you didn't mean that, that in a detrimental way, but in a wonderful way. And, and she already, But God had me write it. Why? Because I'm a teacher. Why? Because I'm held to great accountability. Guess what? Whatever you learn, you are held to. One time in, in, in Youth for Christ, when I was working for Youth for Christ, during campus life, I had one of the boys put his uh, hands over his ears. One of the high school boys. And I was teaching something. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, but it was something he didn't want to hear. And he put his hands over his ears and he went, la, 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 la. And I said, stop. And I said, why are you doing that? And he goes, because if I know this, I'm going to be held accountable for it. He knew that much. A high school boy. You see, God's not going to hold the person that made fun of our young man accountable like he would someone that knew. This young man knew nothing. He knew nothing. And when he knew, and now I'm saying young man, so, oh, well, that blew that. He hung his head. But he would hold you accountable. Okay. God reminded me of a verse that I want to share with you, and and I want to share it with you because it's very convicting once we really look at it. 
I want you to think of it on many levels, and I'm going to share it in two different versions. And then NIV, it's Proverbs 17.5, by the way. The New Living Translation, Proverbs 17.5, says, Those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished. And I'm going to read that one again because I like that translation. Not that it's a direct translation from the Bible because the New Living Translation is not considered a direct translation. Nor can we consider anything a complete direct translation unless we all sat here reading the Greek and the Hebrew. So let's get that straight. But God, we're just doing the best we can here. Those who mock the poor insult their maker. Those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished it didn't say unless they're a celebrity it didn't say unless they're a haughty person i'm talking about rejoicing at misfortune of others it didn't say unless that church was heading in the wrong direction anyway and we're glad that It was found out, and we're glad that whatever. It didn't say that. It said rejoicing at the misfortune of others. We are not to do. We are not to rejoice at the misfortune of others. Think of that even in a political sense. Think of that in a global sense. Think of that in a religious sense. Well, they got what they deserved. Really? We are not to rejoice at the misfortune of others, or we will not go unpunished. We need to ask God forgiveness for that. And we do it in such small and subtle ways. And the enemy creeps in. And we may not verbalize it, but we are inside ourselves judging and saying, well, you know, that was right. But that happened. That needed to happen. They needed that. We are not to rejoice in the misfortune of others. We're not to even judge or criticize. We are to be such children that we don't need to understand and we don't need to know. Now, we need to discern what's right. We need to know good from evil. We need to be able to warn others if they're going in a wrong direction or if there's a flock uh, uh, that's truly, truly, and what I mean by that, a group of sheep at church that's really, really going in a wrong direction, it doesn't mean that we run around promoting that place. However, we're to bless those that curse us and pray for those who persecute us. And that can mean even in a spiritual way. I want you to understand this. And then look at the first of that verse. Um, Again, I'm in the New Living Translation of Proverbs 17, 5. It says, those who mock the poor insult their maker. That word mock in the Hebrew means scorn, laugh, make fun of. And you may think, "I, I don't make fun of the poor. Really? You ever make fun of improper English? Someone who's poor and and who's come to this country and and they don't speak proper English and you make fun of it? Because I have. 
And I have a way of being able to imitate different um, accents. Um, at least I think I do, <laughs> in my own personal opinion, which can be a curse and a blessing. Because I can say something just the way someone said it. Have you ever mocked the illiterate? Like, oh my gosh, look at this. This person can't even spell. Have you ever mocked the poor? Think about this too. Did God say poor? Did he say those who mock the poor who have very little money insult their maker? Or could it even be the poor in spirit? Do we ever mock those who are lacking in social skills? Mock, again, means to scorn, laugh, make fun of, but can also be internal, like just internal, like just saying to yourself, this person really gets on my nerves. This person really gets on my nerves. Do we even mock persons poor in spirit, Maybe a person who just tries too hard. You know, I'll tell you the most, the the person that's most poor in spirit, and this is my personal opinion, but the most, the person that's most poor in spirit has a spirit of self-pity. And the sad thing is, is that spirit of self-pity drives other people away from them when they desire with all their heart for people to be driven towards them. Do we love them or do we mock them? I'm convicted. And yet I do understand that in some, in, 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 in a, in a, in a personal situation in my life with someone who was so ruled by a spirit of self-pity, God showed me as I asked him that I could not be led by the self-pity because it was unending. It was insatiable. I could not visit this person enough. I could not do enough for this person. And actually, this has happened more than once in my life and probably more than once in your life. But I needed to be led by God. And that sometimes to love people, we need distance. To really pray for this person, I need a distance. That might not be what I would be humanly counseled to do. That may not be even what quote-unquote, seems right to me. Remember, Eve ate the apple because it seemed good. Seemed is not the way we're supposed to be led as Christians. This seemed right, so I did it. No, we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit and peace. And where there's confusion and lack of peace, that's not the Holy Spirit because God says that he's a God of order. And so I, I, I began to visit this person as the Holy Spirit told me to. And then um, send whatever to this person as the Holy Spirit told me to. And no longer judged that spirit of, uh, uh, that person for having a spirit of self-pity, but felt compassion 
for that person because that spirit drives others away. So I'm talking about the people that are poor in spirit. I'm talking about the mentally ill. Do we ever mock the mentally ill? Now, you may say no, but I'm thinking, I'm not thinking like someone that you know is autistic or that you know is, is, is um, mentally retarded. I'm talking about someone that you don't know is bipolar. I'm talking about someone that you don't know is borderline personality disorder. I'm talking about someone that you don't know is so depressed that their serotonin levels are zero, zip, zilch. Do we mock verbally or inside our hearts the poor in spirit? You know, it really, really speaks to me because God says, if you do, you mock their maker. You mock their maker. Everybody has a name. To God, everybody has a name. Even the unnamed baby that's in an orphanage that just receives a name, like our son before we adopted him, the orphanage just named him. And then we renamed him, which has great significance. Here's what I want to say, and, and, and not really what I want to say. I didn't want to say any of this, to be honest with you. Um, it's super convicting to me on every level because you can't say, well, I don't do the big things, but yeah, I have done the little. We need to be aware. And you can't close your ears and say, la, 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 because I know that you heard this. And so we have to say, God, now I'm aware. Please speak to me, Holy Spirit. Change me. Change my habits. Change, catch me in the middle of a sentence. Do you know, as I've changed in doing things, and it's embarrassing, but as I've changed in doing things, I've had to say to friends and to people and to my mother many, many times, oh, you know what, never mind. And, you know, some people say, don't say, never mind. They just say, just say, you know, I, I decided not to say that because you certainly should sit, not say never mind to your 11-year-old son because then he'll really do it. Um, he'll never mind me. Um, so to him, I don't say never mind, but I'll say, you know what? You, oh, actually, I think I, actually, I don't think that needs to be said. And the person may even say, no, 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 no. Go ahead and tell me. You're going to tell me anyway. And you're tempted but you just need to say, no, that doesn't need to be said. Because, see, we get in habits of criticizing. We get in habits of judging. We get in habits of saying negative things about people. We get in habits with even certain family members. Like there's that one family member that everybody talks about because that family member is wrong and we are all right. <laughs> no. Wrong. So we ask God, forgive us, change us, and don't be embarrassed to stop in the middle of your sentence. I tell you for years, and I still do it. I stop in the middle of my sentence and sound like I 
cannot even, I can't even concentrate. The person's thinking, why in the world did you bring it up if you're not going to go ahead and see it? I sound like Jerry Seinfeld. I want you to also hear this. Don't just cease what you're doing. You can't. With God, there's something that I like to call the replacement theory, and that is that you can't forgive someone or desire to forgive someone or desire to not think about something, desire to not think about a hurt or desire to not think about the thing that bugs you. You can't just not think about anything. Okay, one, two, three, don't think about anything. It's impossible. God made us to have a replacement. And he says to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who persecute us. There may be someone that literally persecutes you just because, and you, you can readily admit it to God, they drive you crazy. They drive you crazy because of their own personality or because of the things they do or say. Bless them, bless them, bless them. While you're changing, not only cease to do what we're in the habit of doing, but help in the healing by blessing. And it doesn't mean that you just all of a sudden go, oh, I was going to tell you about someone. Never mind. I bless Mary. I bless Mary in the name of Jesus. I bless those who persecute me and pray for God. No, 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 no. It's between you and God. That's so. That's that. That's what a Pharisee would do. That's what a whitewashed tomb Christian would do. And I'm not judging and saying that. God says that. We need to be careful also that we don't gossip in the name of prayer. Well, would you just pray for this situation? Now, let me tell you all the things this person has done to drive me crazy or all the pers- things this person has done, to, and please pray for them. The person that's praying does not need to know their name and does not need to know what they have done. Really? Yeah, really. Go with what you're led to say. I have to be so careful. I make mistakes. But I have to realize this goes on two radio stations and it's podcasts around the world. I don't want anyone to feel condemned. But I have to tell my own life stories. My family has to realize that, that now everyone knows that we have a communal computer. I mean, you know, we, they, they have to have a lot of grace. But in, in, in asking for prayer for people, you don't need to gossip. Be careful that you do not mock the poor because you insult their maker. You insult God. I just wanted to end with this. And in case someone is moved to desire to um, adopt a child, and that's what God is, meaning support a child monthly, and that's what God is, is leading you to do, um, course you're always welcome to support this ministry so we can pay for radio i don't take a salary um but i above and beyond that would be so blessed and honored if you would support one of the children around the world or do whatever god's urging you to do because we need to do with our money knowing that everything we have is from god it's really not our money 
It's not even so-and-so's money that handed it down to us. It's from God. It's a gift. And so I just am going to name two organizations, and um, I very much want you to just pray about it. One is called African Renewal, and so you can go to africanrenewal.org. And the other one most people have heard of, and they do wonderful works all over the world, and it's World Vision. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.